Oh, hello, oui, oui, welcome to le, le MMA Frequency Podcast. Je m'appelle Joseph Dolan, and today we are talking about UFC Paris. Oh, the most beautiful city of lights hosted a UFC event. Oh, oh, oh. they ate lots of baguettes in Sirogan Fort. <coughs> okay, hi, yeah, it's Joe. Uh, we're breaking down UFC Paris, the one championship doubleheader. And then discussing some very pressing news with regards to UFC 279. So let's jump right into it. I've only got a couple of uh, fights in the UFC Paris card. I wasn't able to watch most of it. But uh, Nathaniel Wood beat Charles Jordan. Uh, I thought this was a very good fight. But Wood was basically uh, solidly ahead of him in the striking the entire time. Uh, It was the main card opener. There were a couple of just uh, random other British people on the card, but they managed to get Nathaniel Wood in on the main. Uh, he was just, they put up a good fight, but uh, Nathaniel Wood was just that guy. He was consistently in the lead the whole fight. Uh, outstruck uh, Charles Jordan across three rounds and won a unanimous decision. There was Roman Kopolov knocked out Alessio DiCirico very, uh, at the end of the third round. That was pretty interesting. Uh, Nasrina Mavov beat Joaquin Buckley. I'm very sad about this one. That was a very, very disappointing fight for me because I think I am a pretty big Buckley fan. Uh, and he put up a good fight, but Mavov just dominated him in the grappling and definitely won the striking, but uh, just dominated him at the end of the first round, then took him down again in the second round. That really put him streets ahead of Buckley already. Uh, hoping to see Joaquin Buckley get back in there and pick up another win. There was, I mean, what else? There was the co-main event, which I thought was amazing. I was starstruck by this Robert Whitaker performance and the fact that he didn't get a performance of the night bonus is very, very depressing. Uh, he just completely destroyed Vittori the whole time. Uh, Vittori didn't even go for a takedown until the third round. Uh, he was just faster he was more defensively sound. Uh, just beat the guy up across three consecutive rounds. And everybody is going to be like, oh, finishing power. Oh, he doesn't have the finishing power. Listen, Marvin Vittori's head is literally shaped like a brick. He, he's got a, he's got a, hard, a hard head, okay? It, it, Israel Adesanya couldn't finish him either. So I, I don't want to rag on Whitaker for not, not getting the job done. But... Uh, Bobby Knuckles is starting his second uh, comeback tour where he clears out four top middleweight contenders and then probably gonna they're probably gonna make the trilogy fight with Adesanya. Now that they've opened the door with uh, Volkanovski and Holloway three, they can pretty clearly slot Rob back in there, especially when the second fight was as close as it was. Uh, but yeah, the the fight itself. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Whitaker was just do- doing Whitaker stuff, man. The double jab head kick. Uh, Vittori threw a couple head kicks, and every single one of them whiffed through the air because Whitaker slipped them all. Uh, I'm honestly, <laughs> I might rewatch this and talk about it more next week because I just really did think it was it was great. Uh, and then the main event, honestly, uh, Tai Tuivasa lasted. Way longer than I thought he was going to against Hong or the, the citizen of the fighter of Paris or Sergan, no, he's French, blah, 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 blah. Uh, 
he was, it was a really gutsy performance. Just kind of threw everything he had. They'd gone across three rounds and gone slowly but surely wore him down. The body kicks were brutal, man. Tuvasa just, like, opened up his guard and basically just let Gon kick him in the chest. Uh... Enough times that it looked like he was going to puke every single time a uh, body kick connected. I oh, kept throwing these teeps to the stomach over and over and over again. I was feeling a little sick watching it. Uh, by the third round, uh, Tuivasa was just nothing doing, completely gassed. I mean, Gon's footwork was so good that in the third round, he was literally walking circles around Tuivasa while beating him up. Uh, it was pretty incredible. Uh... Came in at the end of the third round, hit him with a punch that basically shut the lights off. I've like Tuivasa was trying to get his guard up, but he literally couldn't. He he was like going into like fourth shutdown mode. Uh, Snurgon hit him a couple more times, bonked him on the back of the head. Whoops! Then hit him with a clean uppercut, just folded him, knocked him out. Uh, I won't. I'm not sure if I would call it a great fight, but it's a great performance from Snurgon. Uh. I don't know what he's going to have to do to get back in there once uh, Francis Ngannou's knee has been stitched back together. But as of right now, I guess he is still essentially the number one contender. Uh, obviously, that one doubleheader, there was a couple stuff I didn't watch. Uh, Tan Lee and Tang Kai. That guy was... Uh, he, he won. He beat Tan Lee. I thought he was going to knock him out early if he was going to do it. I thought a decision would favor Tan Lee, but he won across five rounds. He won the decision. So that was really, really interesting. Uh, let's see if they make that, uh, rematch. Uh, Christian Lee just looked totally on against Okrayun. Uh, got him out of there in, I believe, the second round. But, uh, he came back in that second fight, uh, totally with a vengeance after his weird <laughs> temper tantrum after losing the first fight. Yeah, no, he, he, he got him out, and he got him out of there at the end of the second round. Uh, really good performance. Christian Lee two-time one lightweight champion wins his belt back uh i don't know maybe they'll make the trilogy maybe they won't i don't really know how one match makes but uh on to one that uh rod tang pulled out at the last minute uh somebody else uh fought savas michael so i didn't watch the fight i'm busy man uh this one was really depressing so sad man nongo beat liam harrison and I mean, I love Nago. He's amazing. He's just too fast. He's so fast. But uh, I kind of became like a Liam. In doing research for the fight, I just started to like Liam Harrison a lot. Uh, real scrappy guy. Really fun fighter. And uh, they opened up the fight trading leg kicks. And Nago was just just on him. Uh, Liam was checking the first couple. And then Nago just kept connecting over and over and over again. Uh, there wasn't even that much hand action. Like, nobody really hit each other with, like, that many punches that stumbled them. But, uh, he stumbled them with a leg kick about a minute and a half into the first round. And then Liam was moving away. And just as he, he was moving <laughs> to the to the right, and just as he planted his lead leg, which was his left leg, to stand and trade, the second he put weight on it, Nango threw another leg kick so hard that it not only did it knock him down, he couldn't get back up. The ref had to call off the fight. Uh, basically, like, <laughs> I've never taken a leg kick from a TIE fighter before, but I do not blame Liam Harrison for... <laughs> oh, my God. It was an incredible performance by Nongo. 
really, really sad. Uh, I was hoping that he at, at least, you know, it'd be like a longer fight. It was competitive while it lasted. It was just, he's so fast. He's so fast. He was, he was, he was connecting with those leg kicks before Liam, like, was processing that he was throwing them. So that one perfectly timed leg kick put him down and out for the rest of the fight. Uh, the main event of that doubleheader, the big main event was uh, Mighty Mouse versus Mariah's too. Uh, Mighty Mouse, boy of the podcast, official podcast boy. Oh. So Mariah's took him, got him down a couple of times, and DJ was doing really, really great off of his back. Uh, some people said that he was like winning rounds off of his back. I wouldn't say that, but he was just very smart with the uh, striking on the ground. He cut Mariah's open while he was on his back with a very nicely timed elbow, but he was he was just keeping like his guard up, keeping like his knee high so that Mariah's couldn't pass at a full guard a lot of the time. Just being like very, very active and making Mariah's like time grappling as troublesome as possible for him, basically. Just throwing up as many tools as he possibly could to stop him. And then over the course of the fight, Mariah's couldn't get him to the ground anymore, which is when Money Mouse just started, just started cooking him like a frog in a pot. Just started turning up the heat and boiling the water. Uh, the third round is where he really started to take a decisive advantage in the striking, and I was loving every second of it. And then, towards the end of the first round, he just cracks him over the top with uh, his his uh, lead hand, and Mariah stumbles and starts falling backwards towards the fence. And uh, Mighty Mouse followed up with just a standing knee directly to the head, walk off KO, smashed him against the cage wall. It was some Tekken ass bullshit, I have to say. It was incredible. The best part about it, the best part about that whole sequence, UFC legal. Mariah's hands were on the ground. That knee is completely, that whole sequence, completely UFC legal. Yes, and that's, Mariah's is bigger than him, longer than him. Uh, that fight was just like a masterclass uh, by Mighty Mouse. And he said he's open to the trilogy and just open to whoever won. Throws at him next, Demetrius Johnson, two-time world champ across two different companies, King King, King, shit. The news section is going to be a little abridged today because, oh boy, is there some news and I got to get this podcast out real quick. But after losing to Jamal Hill uh, earlier last month, Tiago Santos out of the UFC. Uh, didn't get cut though. Uh, same situation as Shane Burgos from last episode. He's going straight to the PFL. Very, very interesting. Uh, Tiago Santos uh, known forever, I guess, now as the guy who maybe might have kind of beaten John Jones. I gotta watch that fight again. But, uh, yeah, he's probably gonna be slotting right into uh, PFL's light heavyweight division. I believe, uh, I believe Antonio, uh, I believe Shoeface is, well, he won the last one. They haven't decided the, uh, winner for the PFL title this year yet, but he looked decent in his last couple of fights. It's kind of difficult for a guy to come back after getting their knee completely shredded. I think they, like, didn't he, both knees were completely shredded in the Jones fight, right? So I he started to look better and better at, like the longer out from the injury he was, but he never looked like he did, you know, like the Moretta, the hammer, man. He did. He never, he never got back to like his pre, uh, pre Jones fight resume. Unfortunately, 
I still think he can do really, really good as PFL. I wouldn't, like, Burgos, I wouldn't put him in as maybe, like, a lock to win the whole thing. But I think he's going to have a really good accounting of himself. And then that brings us to the reason why I'm very, very glad that I'm a serial procrastinator and putting this episode out, like, two hours before the pay-per-view is that UFC's card, UFC 279's card, entirely fell apart at the last minute. So Saturday, I believe it was Saturday or Friday? No, Friday. Friday at the weigh-ins, the card was Hamza Chamaya versus Nate Diaz. My bad, just to explain that. It was total firing squad bullshit. Uh, They're setting Nate Diaz up to just get his shit pushed in by Hamza Chamaev. They wanted to kill his value as much as possible on the last fight of his card. I'll get into all uh, the last fight of his contract. I'll get into all of this stuff later towards the end of the show. But essentially on Friday, Hamzat walks into the place seven and a half pounds overweight. He was 178, one half pounds. So Nate Diaz's team immediately turns down the fight. So now you don't have a main event. They UFC did a decent job salvaging this card. At the last minute, they put Tony Ferguson on it only a couple of weeks ago. But originally, this card really was quite literally just this fight. The card really was just Chibaya versus Diaz. They didn't really have much else. But they had a couple of fights now. They had, it was the main event, Tony Ferguson versus Lee Jingliang at welterweight. And then a short notice fight between Kevin Holland and Darren Daniel Rodriguez at a 180. A catch weight. And basically what happened is that the UFC, honest to God, I, I got to commend them for this. They pulled off some last minute insane match card sorcery. So they managed to take Diaz and Shmaev. They slotted Tony Ferguson into the main event and the Diaz camp accepted the deal. So the main event of the pay-per-view is now Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz. And then because Shmaev came in so close to 180 anyway, uh, Chimaev and Kevin Holland are fighting at a 180-pound catchweight fight. And then Li Jingliang and Daniel Rodriguez are also fighting at 180-pound catchweight. So they reshuffled the three main cards of the fight and saved the event. It, it was really, really crazy. I've never seen the UFC go into like total DEFCON 5 like this uh, right before an event. So Or DEFCON 1. Shh. I, I don't know things. Don't 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 call me out on this. But let's get into the card. Let's run down a couple of the fights that I've got marked down and I'm really interested in. Uh, one of the guys we've been following, I covered him in one of the earliest episodes of the pod, uh, Alatong Ailey. Haley is fighting against Chad and Helliger on the prelim card. Uh, Chad's a contender series pickup. He's got one win in the UFC so far. Uh, it was pretty good, just a... Uh, Check hook knockdown and TKO, but Altong Haley is an official sponsored boy of the MMA frequency, and also he's just got like a really really good record, like he's he's got a really good resume. So I'm taking Haley in this one. So he's probably got a more rounded out skill set. Probably going to be able to beat this guy. Uh, haven't seen that much of Chad and Helliger's resume. So if he blitzes Haley tonight. Don't call me out on it. Uh, the weight bug didn't just catch the main event, by the way. Uh, the prelim opener is Jake Collier versus Chris Barnett. And in a very, very rare case in which the heavyweight weight limit is breached, because heavyweight's not unlimited, 
It's uh, 205 to 265 pounds. Uh, Huggy Bear Chris Burnett came in at 267 and a half pounds on Friday. This <laughs> is taking a place at a 267 pound catch weight, not heavyweight. Uh, Barnett lost that very awkward uh, technical decision a few months back. Uh, on that same card, I think there was two technical decisions at the same card because of illegal strikes. He got, but he got he got clocked in the back of the head with a uh, elbow, and they had to judge the fight as it, as it was. So he lost. Uh, I'm not really ready to give up on him just yet, even though he's one and two in the UFC, and he got, oh, he got tapped out by Ben Roswell. But uh, he's fighting Jake Collier, who is a definitional UFC heavyweight can. Literally never strung together two wins in his whole career. I mean, uh, his last win is... Hold on. I'm pretty sure his last win... Yeah, is against Chase Sherman. So, like, I, it, 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 come on, man. Come on. You can't convince me that this guy is... I mean, he's a fighter, and he's heavyweight. Anything can happen. But I'm not ready to give up on uh, Chris Barnett just yet. And he does some interesting shit in the octagon. Like, he, he, he won his last fight with the spinning heel kick... Uh, TKO. I don't know. A lot of fun. I'm thinking he maybe picks up the win here. Uh, another fight that I'm not really going to preview, but just very, very interesting. Uh, Hakeem Dawadu came in at 149.5 pounds. This was like, honestly, low-key a really, really bad weight miss that is just going to get overshadowed because of Chemayev's. Because uh, it's supposed to be at featherweight. But uh, I don't know. Both of these guys have uh, really strong records. Julian Arosa uh, has kind of just been like all over the place in the company. I said like, oh my god, he's had like nine fights in like four years. Uh, do has a less active resume, but he's got a more winninger resume. Uh, the only person he, the only two people on the roster he's currently lost to, I believe, are a. Uh, most of our Evlev and uh, Danny Henry, which is, yeah, not, not <laughs> uh, like, losing to Evlev is really nothing to write home and complain about. Uh, I have no idea who takes it. I'm going to, I guess, probably just Dawadu because he's five pounds heavier than the other guy. Uh, put that down as my pick. Uh, let's run through the main card real quick. Uh, Johnny Walker versus Ian Kudalaba. Uh, I'm thinking Kudalaba takes this one. Not from any, like, positive impression I have of Kudalaba. Uh, he's a d d decent decent enough fighter. Uh, but Johnny Walker is feeling very Tyron Woodley-esque recently as of late. Uh, it's just kind of like, the power still seems to be there, but he has no explosivity. And it's just, just Johnny Walker is not a man of technique. So, like, you don't coach him to go out there and throw one-twos and body jabs and be like GSP, you teach him to have a good defense, keep his hands up, and then let him rip like a goddamn Beyblade when he's, it's his turn to throw. He signed up with Conor McGregor's gym, so I gotta say thank you, John Kavanaugh, for taking Johnny Walker and making him incredibly, incredibly boring. Uh, if he somehow gets the moxie back and drops Kudalaba like a rock, forget I said all of this, but I'm thinking that it's Ian Kudalaba. Uh, Irene Aldana versus Macy Chason. 
I believe her name is. Uh, this one is a 140-pound catchweight fight. I'm not really much interested in doing, like, a preview of this. Uh, I just want to mark the fact that both of these girls missed weight for the bantamweight fight. It was supposed to be at 135. One of them came over, like, half a pound overweight, and one of them came over one and a half pounds overweight. Fucking crazy. What is going on in the, in the UFC, man? This is probably proof. Uh, both of these girls, I think, have fought at featherweight before. If UFC put any care into recruitment, uh, maybe they could just both fight at 145 and they, they wouldn't have these uh, disgusting weight miss problems anymore. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez versus the Leech. Lee Jingliang. I'm obviously going to give the edge to Daniel Rodriguez here. Uh, he's got, definitely like, already had an advantage in power. He's been inactive for the last year, but like, does ring rust really matter? Like, when you have to consider that uh, Rodriguez weighed in almost 10 pounds more than Jing Liang. So, like, that's weight his body doesn't have to make up for. Same with uh, Dawadu and Julian Rosa. Basically, you know, like, he weighed in, like, 179 for an already a 180-pound catchweight. So that is, like, he's only got to... He can just rehydrate from there. He can rehydrate from 179 up to, like, whatever weight he ends up in the cage tonight. Li Jingliang already made weight at 170. He has to make up for the weight, the water weight that he's already cut, and like what he's he has to rehydrate and all that from like a, a worse position from Daniel Rodriguez. So I don't know. That's the whole like Rodriguez. He's gonna come in heavier than him probably. Jingliang. He's gonna come in lighter. Like is he a cut gonna still be affecting him? Is he gonna be a little chinnier because he cut? more weight than Rodriguez I don't know either way it's gonna be a great scrap saw the leech live he was great uh at, at Long Island uh really really great fight from there uh and then Hamza versus Kevin Holland at 180 180 this one has some lore I didn't mention this at the top of the show but the press conference got the press conference for this fight got canceled on Thursday Dana White had to call it off because uh I think apparently Hamza and Kevin Holland got into like a massive fight backstage there was video of their respective camps pulling them apart uh and so dana white just came out and went, oh this is unprecedented in the history of this company but i guess i gotta cancel the it was <laughs> so funny oh man totally worth it uh kevin holland also a boy of this podcast uh so ufc officials obviously they made the match print to make this fight after nate diaz turned down Hamzat at 180 or you know like 178 uh I think this is going to be a great great fight I think Hamzat's going to win but I think it's going to be more interesting than most people are uh giving it credit for also this is a five round fight this is part of the deal Kevin Holland refused to take the fight unless it was five rounds uh Apparently he thinks he can outgas tank Hamzat, which would be very, very interesting. If he, if Kevin, if Kevin Holland beats Hamzat, I am going to go apoplectic. Uh, I don't think he has the takedown defense for him. He has good jujitsu. He's a he's a jujitsu black belt. So that is like Hamzat is like a very active grappler. So that is Kevin Holland might be able to like catch him with like a submission or like sweep him and get back to his feet. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be able to stop the takedown. Uh, Hamza's also really long, too. Like, his reach is crazy. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. Hamzad's probably going to take this, but I think there there are ways that Kevin Holland can can make it more of his fight that he can at least like challenge him. So he can not end up like somebody like Lee Jingliang who just got crushed in like half a round. <sighs> no matter what happens, no matter what happens, all three of these fights are now officially a scrap. Which brings me to the main event: Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson at welterweight. This should have been the main event anyway. This is an amazing non-title fight main event for a card. Uh, I am very, very interested because I think Ferguson really did come, like, she showed up to fight against Michael Chandler. And Diaz, like, even though he's definitely had a step down in quality, I don't know, I, like, I don't think these guys are so, like, that everybody wants to talk about how Tony Ferguson is washed. But I don't think these guys are washed enough that it's not, it's not going to be depressing. It's not going to be, like, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Like, this is going to be a fun fight. This is going to be an entertaining-ass fucking fight. Uh, I'm really, really excited for this one. I think I would take Diaz in this fight just because of the cardio. And uh, I haven't really seen Tony fight at welterweight ever. I think he fought welterweight when he was younger, like earlier in his career, uh, before going down to lightweight. But, oh man, oh man, could you imagine this fight goes to the ground? The wacky-ass grappling we're going to see. It's going to be great. Uh... I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't even really know what else to say about Diaz versus Ferguson. But this is a fight that it always should have been. And I just want to say, let me let me rant here for a little bit. It, I, I do agree. The way they've been with, uh, I agree with, like, Ariel Hawani and, like, all of these people. The way they've been treating Nate Diaz is absolutely atrocious in the UFC. He is a legend of the sport, and they're just kind of, like, rattling him around and just uh, screwing him over for basically no reason. Uh, they wanted they wanted to devalue him as much as possible by getting him smashed by Hamzad in his last fight. They he spent a year and a half asking for a fight after the Leon fight, begging for a fight after the Leon fight, saying he would basically take anybody. Uh, the UFC iced him out, uh, made him wait for uh, the contractual period. You know whatever it is, I think they can they they can offer you as few as like one fight every like four months or something like that. The UFC basically used every single dirty trick in the book they could to keep him from going to boxing or BKFC or, like, even, like, he's not going to go to Bellator. But, you know, Nate Diaz has opportunities to monetize his name, make money, and improve, like, his personal brand outside of the company. And Dana White cannot have that. Uh, his last day, like, this whole, like, just no fucks given Diaz during the, the press tour for this, all of, like, the Megan O'Leary interviews and shit... It's been great. I'm really loving this. I'm glad Nate Diaz finally gets to go free. Uh, yeah, other than that, I can't really think of much else. Aren't you guys glad that I'm a procrastinator? If I put this podcast out on Thursday, I mean, you wouldn't have even got to hear my in-depth, cutting, uh, razor-sharp analysis of the new main event. Uh, that it's going to be fun and cool. <laughs> well, uh... I've got some fights to watch. I'll talk to you guys next week. Toodaloo.